Hey everyone, and thank you guys so very much for listening to another episode of Everything in Me. It is your host, Sam. I definitely have to work on my intro because I know that I don't always start my episodes with that intro, but just the stickler that I am, I really need to practice that. But anywho, let's get into this episode. So today I want to talk about something that's very real. It's actually flowing through me right now. And I'm kind of excited because I feel like I'm going to see the other side to this in a little bit. So while that I, while I'm in the mix of this, I think it was, you know, it'd be very useful for me to kind of sit down and talk about it, sit with my thoughts, you know, let them out through this platform because it's very real for me right now when it comes to self-doubt. Now, self-doubt shows up in us in so many different ways. Um, and we don't always call it like we see it. Okay. So sometimes self-doubt can be something as simple as like, you know, I don't want to go down that street because you know, it always takes me so long to get across the street. I mean, self-doubt can be as simple as like, you know, what's the point of even asking that person because they're probably going to say no. Um, it's really just diverting yourself from opportunities in which you can prosper, you know, are part of your destiny, are part of your next steps, a part of, you know, the next opportunity. Um, speaking from per- personal experience, this, this medium in which I'm engaging with people, you know, I've definitely been a person in general who is overcritical, um, overanalytical, a perfectionist, um, very controlling at times. And, you know, sometimes a little bit too honest, a little bit too blunt, a little bit too real. And you might be thinking like, how can that even be so? Like, what does that even mean? Um, a part of it is not reading the room, honey. Just not sitting down and thinking like, okay, is this person or this situation ready to handle what is going through my brain? And that doesn't mean that I'm completely reckless. It just means that sometimes I'm not paying attention to the energy that I'm a part of. So going back to kind of talking about just in general, this whole like self-doubt situation, I've always wanted to be in a place where I could reach people, impact people and, you know, engage with them in different ways. And at one time I wanted to be a radio host. Another time I wanted to be a journalist. There there's always been that little spark in me. That's always wanted to reach people in different ways, but I was unsure, afraid, didn't take enough interest in it, um, didn't take enough opportunities to seek more information on, on it and pursue it because I doubted myself. I truly doubted myself. I think it's, it's relatable to say, like, say for instance, you have someone, you know, I know us ladies, a lot of times, and even men, pretty much anyone in general, when it comes to, for instance, losing weight, I'm in the process of trying to just rethink my eating habits not to say that I eat poorly or I eat really bad. It's just the fact that I'm not um, disciplined enough at this present moment to, you know, stick to something that is doable for me and my body type and where I want to be. And, um, you know, the reality is when you're overcoming something like weight loss, there's a lot of doubt that goes into it. You know, is this something that you can sustain? Is this something that is going to fit into your lifestyle? Is this something that you can create an opportunity out of to, you know, rethink the way that you do things, make it a habit. Um, are you going to get through something as simple? Well, not even simple. Cause honey, that ain't simple. Something like your period, honey, can you get through your period, you know, trying to lose weight when your body is not feeling the way that you want it to feel, or can you get through, 
you know, multiple events, traveling, vacation, all those things under the sun. Um, it's, there's a lot of doubt that goes into it in my career uh, where I wanted to be or where I want to be all along. I made different attempts at, you know, seeing this vision come to light where I'm engaging with people on a platform that is greater than myself. And I did YouTube for a very long time off and on. Um, you can still find me on YouTube, the real Sammy Sam, D A R E A L. S-A-M-I-I-S-A-M, still keeping those episodes up there. There are some times where I do kind of shed light to a preface to kind of this, um, where I, I use the um, the title Wine Time, where I sit with a glass of wine and I talk about different concepts and different things and, um, you know, my thoughts at the time, whatever that concept or that, that story time or whatever that may be. But this was me getting my feet wet because I really just didn't see myself at this place. You know, it doubt is so, it's, it can fester so greatly in us. And you'll notice in my podcast, I talk a lot about freedom. And that's a direct hit to self-doubt. So whenever I'm feeling self-doubt, I'll remind myself of the freedom that I have. Now, this is a mental freedom. This is referring to the freedom of choice, the freedom of opportunity, the freedom of, you know, diverting my thoughts into something more positive, into some yielding into something more aligned where I ultimately want to be. And in order to do this, I have to use key words to really brighten up my thought process because this is something with self-doubt that I don't think people recognize. Just like many other things in your life and many other things that you're dealing with, a lot of it is... Um, place there. It's planted there. Um, and not enough things can grow in that, in that soil because it's not, you know, fed with water and sunlight and all these great nutritionist things necessary to grow the garden in which you're trying to grow. So for instance, going back to my scenario, my situation, um, my mother was not a very encouraging type of individual. She kind of sat more on the negative side because she carried a lot of burdens, a lot of great, heavy, heavy struggles. Um, her mindset was one of a survivor. So surviving meaning, um, let me survive, not thrive. So, you know, coming to, she's an immigrant who came to America, you know, really fighting to figure out what can she do to sustain herself, take care of her kids and have a future here. And that mindset, you know, takes on a lot of extremes. Um, and so those are some things that always stick with you, whether you want it to or not, and they can deter you from taking a lot of different opportunities, whether you think about it or not, or realize it or not. She had recognized very early on because there was so much sacrifice involved in her journey. That meant that she wasn't going to thrive the way that she saw herself or would have liked to see herself. Because in my opinion, she was a big pioneer in starting something of her own, you know, as far as her, her next legacy or her generational legacy. And for that, I'm definitely very grateful for, but without knowing what I know now, when I, you know, when I was a kid, um, just her reaction towards things, opportunities that I wanted to take avenues I wanted to take things that I wanted to do. There was a very negative, um, reaction 
there wasn't too much motivation. There wasn't too much um, encouragement in the home. And my father being so um, out of touch, I don't want to say absent because technically he was there, um, but out of touch with engaging with me at that age, because we actually did not form a relationship until later on in life. And I'll tell you all about that in another episode. Um, I didn't have any sense or gauge from him either. This, you know, thriving sense of like, you can do it. You got this, you know, keep going X, Y, and Z. So with those two things kind of, you know, not really giving me the ingredients necessary for me to believe in myself, honestly and truly, as I kind of think back and kind of rethink, you know, my childhood a little bit, I'm not exactly sure. I think a lot of the strength that I drew was from media. So seeing other women, you know, seeing other people of color in places in which um, I didn't expect them to be. So, you know, Whitney Houston was my all-time idol. Like, oh my goodness, I wanted to sing so bad. Like, it was, to me, it was enough to see someone in a place where I idolized, you know, something I want to do for myself and see someone that I, you know, related to, whether it be there or on movie screens or whatever, and go ahead and just say, okay, that's enough for me to kind of, what can, what do I have to do to move the needle forward in that direction? Um, I learned very early on when it comes to dealing with negative environments, um, to, I don't know, I don't want to say like not feed into it because I definitely was very bitter at one point in time because I started to absorb obviously that environment and believe it as to be true. Um, and so there was a couple times where, you know, my circle caught me or people who were, you know, blessings to me, whether I recognized it at the time or not to kind of check me and they could see it coming out of me. And I think because I was so young, it was alarming to them because they didn't expect that. I think once you get older, people have this, you know, understanding that this individual is going to be stuck in their ways because they're older and because they've been through so many different things. And you just got to let them be, let life just take its course. Cause at this point they've already gone over that hill, honey, they ain't coming back. Don't, don't even worry about it anymore. Just let them be, let them do their thing. Um, I personally don't agree with that. Um, but you know, at the time, you know, there were a lot of different things that were kind of just negatively affecting me when it came to my weight. So I've struggled with my weight and I don't want to say struggle. I want to say that I've been challenged by my weight throughout the years. Um, most of my upbringing, I was, you know, overweight and at the turn of high school, by the grace of God, um, taking physical education right before ninth grade started, it really changed my life and also understanding eating habits. So that's how I had access to that information and really shifted the way that I started to eat. And then I kind of took on a more extreme version of like a lower end side of my weight. And at the time I felt completely fine. I felt like, you know, I didn't, wasn't like starving myself. I wasn't throwing up. I wasn't super like looking forward to, you know, um, you know, being weight wise, anything different. I, I thought it to be fine. As I look back, I'm like, Ooh, girl, you kind of, you should have full up, you know, fooled yourself out a little bit more, but I really wasn't necessarily restricting myself from eating or doing anything of that nature. But during that time, it was like my, you know, teenage, pr pretty much my teenage weight. But 
you know, there's the weight situation that I struggled with, you know, going back and forth with that. Cause after I graduated and got out of school, um, or high school rather, I did struggle with my weight a little bit because it started to peak and then I went back down and whatever. Anyways, that's a whole nother episode too, honey. Cause listen, the way my weight set up, it just, at this point, we don't know. Anyways, um, you know, you have the weight situation, you have, you, you know, the way you physically look. So your hair, my hair was very hard for me to tame. Um, growing up, I didn't really know what to do with it. And I actually just learned not too long ago on this last leg of me just trying to be more natural. Um, I went through a phase, especially during like middle school and stuff like that, where, you know, you, I don't have straight hair. I don't have completely, you know, manageable hair. It may seem like that right now because I've learned and I've taken the time to, um, adapt and, and grow with my hair. But at the time growing up, it was, you know, dry and it wouldn't lay flat and it wouldn't do what it needed to. I ended up getting a perm right before high school. And that's kind of what I did during high school, more or less because I couldn't manage it. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm building up this case of like how my, for instance, external appearance, appearance conflicted with how I wanted to see myself, how I wished at the time I presented myself or I looked or, um, how I was made in general, um, genetics, you cannot alter them. So I don't know what I was thinking, but you know, there's a lot of doubt because in comparison to, you know, other females or women that I aspired to be, or even just girls in my grade, I didn't add up. And I, you know, there was so much doubt within that alone. Um, but again, to counter, to balance that there wasn't those, you know, motivating, you know, you're special, you're amazing, you're, you're great. And I have to say, I didn't necessarily receive those compliments until I was older. And through this, through this episode of just even me talking, I'm trying to think back as far as what was it that really allowed me to rise up into the person that I am now, where I don't doubt myself in those ways. Um, I've sought a lot of confidence behind them. Um, I think for me, it was this self-realization that my thoughts are so much more powerful than I think, if that even makes any sense. Um, just rethinking things more and more and more and recognizing like I'm a big observer. So watching other people, listening to other people, you know, paying attention to their mannerisms, how they handle certain things and pointing out kind of the obvious, if you're present, um, let me recognize really quickly that this self doubt or this lack of acceptance existed in so many different ways. Um, another big piece behind me was humbling myself. So recognizing that my flaws or my things that I looked at as a super, super negative thing that was like, oh my gosh, you know, you're a horrible person comparative to someone else in maybe the same, same age group or who lived, you know, 300,000 miles away from me, recognizing that my situation, I was, you know, I believed to be detrimental and to be, oh my goodness, Sam, you know, you're really not doing what you're supposed to do or whatever. Wasn't that deep. Like it really wasn't that deep. 
I mean, the biggest thing behind self-doubt is, is really getting down to the core. So I think this is something that is extremely challenging for people. I found it to be very challenging, especially when I took it on for the first time of just understanding the concept of the core. So what I refer to the core is what is the core of the issue? What is the core of the thought? What is the core of the opinion? Cause it ain't a fact. Um, you know, what, what's the core of the whole concept or, you know, overall pro- the, the thought process that you're having. Once you start to identify those things and you realize a lot of them are not true, they're fluff. They more than likely can probably be changed. And, um, it just is going to take some work. It's fear. I mean, it, you know, doubt is just another form of fear. It's another way to disguise fear. It's another bracket to put fear in along with anxiety and so many other things. But once you recognize that doubt is really just another little roadblock that you place there or speed bump that you place there or diversion that you place there to get further and further away from your destiny, your dreams, you know, the outcome that is, is for you and cannot be for anyone else, you start to realize that those things are hindering your progress and they're hurting you more than they're helping you. Um, I struggle with self-doubt still currently, obviously to this day, I'm, I'm not, you know, holier than thou. And I don't <laughs> more than listen, I got my own bag of it. Okay. But I will say that my self-doubt shows up a lot differently. So I don't always recognize it as self-doubt anymore. It's not blaring. It's not super obvious. So for instance, when I wanted to start like, you know, for instance, this podcast, I found different excuses, found different reasons to, to hinder me from starting it. One was, okay, well, who wants to listen to me? That's the first thing like, duh, who wants to listen to me talk? I used to get so much crap for talking. Okay. I was, I remember there's like, listen, life is one of those things, at least for me, where God exposes you to different, um, experiences to prep you for your ultimate destiny. In elementary school, I was on the morning announcements. I've always had a fear of reading out loud. That's not something that I'm super excited about. I don't like being in front of people. I don't like large crowds. I don't like speaking in front of large crowds. I have terrible stage fright. I mean, it's not um, to the point where I'm completely frozen because I fight that fear because I know to get to the other side, I have to confront it. And I want to confront it because I don't want it to control my destiny. But, you know, here I am, morning announcements, you know, I'm getting crap for it at the time by other freaking fourth graders because I'm smiling every time the camera's about to go off. So, you know, I'm self-conscious about it because I'm like, what am I not supposed to smile? Am I supposed to just act like I don't care? Like, you know, I also, you know, struggle with, you know, presenting myself in a way that I see myself. So how I present myself is the best way that I can at that time. But how I see myself when I present myself is completely different. So there's that doubt in that whole, you know, kitten caboodle. Then you go on to, you know, I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be a performer. I wanted to be necessarily seen, but I wanted to be, um, 
acknowledged for my talent when it came to entertainment. And I think a lot of that comes from seeing other entertainers and just, just wanting to almost pay homage to how they made me feel, how they uplifted my spirits. I mean, for a long time, I remember, you know, writing songs and poems and so many different things. And I think honestly, I probably still have all that stuff too, because I, it's so attached to me. Um, I wanted to get out there. I wanted to do that. I, you know, connected with other entertainers, but there was always this drawback of me just kind of taking a step back. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work out. You know, I started my own dance group. I nearly lost my life when I performed in front of the entire school. Um, it was a big, big deal for me. And I really tried to, you know, lead and, and do my very best at the time. And I think I did an okay job. I don't think it was horrible, but again, these are little steps that I have taken time and time again to get me to where I'm at now, you know, doing my YouTube channel, I did not want to see people. Like I just wanted to do it. Notice this platform, notice the fact that I can't engage with people. Okay. As far as a a one-on-one, I'm really good at, sorry, not a one-on-one, but an audience type of environment. Um, even with family members, even with people that I know, I love, I care about, or expect to be there, I'm still hesitant. I'm still, ooh, I don't know. I really don't know if this is my jive. But being behind here, I mean, again, going back to radio, wanting to do that, journalism, wanting to do that, I ended up getting my bachelor's in communications because I like to talk. You know, I got slack for asking questions in, in class, you know, wanting to have more of a discussion about certain things. So I know that I do want to engage with people on a spoken level, like a word level. I don't know so much about the performance anymore. Like I've definitely let that go, but you know, in this medium, in this platform, I'm able to talk freely. I'm able to create the energy, the environment that I like, that I want. But again, the first question that comes in my mind is who cares? Who would want to listen to me? Who is going to what? that doubt hits me so hard, you know, and this is the thing. I have a a business background. I started my own business at one point, let that go too. But, you know, there's an analytical side of me who's like, okay, well, you know, what am I doing? What's the content that I'm going to create? You know, what is it worth more or less as far as time that you have to exchange, you know, thoughts that you I'm leaving you with. I'm very conscious about the words that I use, how I present myself. And for those of you who have been listening to me for a while now, or just over the different months, thank you. Thank you so much. First of all, for that, because that alone is a blessing. And that makes me very, very humbled. Um, you'll notice that I'm starting to come into my own. I'm starting to come into the person that again, I present myself a certain way. You'll probably see that in my intro, my first couple episodes, And that's how, you know, I think I'm doing the best job ever, but now I'm coming into this groove where the person that I see myself is who's actually coming through, through this computer right now, literally. Um, and so it's such a blessing, but that doubt is something that has to chip away. It's not something that just completely is gone, especially for me. Um, it's a process, it's a process, but it takes, you know, getting out there one step in front of the other having a good circle, having good people to give you honest, true feedback, whether you like it or not. Now, having the the armor 
to deal with that feedback because I'm still sensitive about my stuff. Don't get it twisted. I actually rarely, if not ever, listen to my podcast again. And I don't want to attribute it to doubt. It's more like when you bake a cake, you can't go back and taste all the ingredients one by one. It's it's there. It's It's prepped and it's ready to go. And that's what it's going to be. Another part of it is, you know, I don't want to analyze myself so badly where I can mess up a good thing. Something that truly makes me happy. Something that truly fulfills me. This fulfills me. This makes me happy. This makes me feel as though, you know, it makes sense for me. It's it's a part of a piece of me, a calling for mine. And I'm a very appreciative of the platform and the opportunity that I'm able to do this. And I don't take it for granted whatsoever. And so I've made it as consistent as possible considering the different hindrances in my life. But doubt still lingers because, you know, from a business perspective, of course, I want feedback. I want to know that, you know, I'm hitting all the right places or at least the places that matter to my listeners, my audience, you know, so I'm asking people, okay, what are you thinking? What's, you know, you'll hear me at the end of my episodes, you know, contact me on Instagram. Let me know what you think. Um, you know, any kind of feedback reviews X, Y, and Z, so I can understand how to better shape this into something that, you know, appeals to the audience in which I want to reach. I really want to reach people who are at this, what, at whatever stage in their life where they want to hear someone that you're like, yes, girl, I know exactly what you're talking about. I want to, you know, unleash the part of you that maybe you keep a little secret because you feel that you're alone or you feel that you're misunderstood or you feel that you bringing up again is going to annoy someone. Like, I get it. I understand. I'm that girl too. You know, although you may see someone or hear someone, you know, behind this platform who sounds confident, it sounds like they know what they're talking about and they sound like they got their life together. By all means, that is not me. I am not that girl, honey. I am slowly but surely making my life the best that I can possibly make it at this present time. And I still want better as the days go by, God willing. Um, It's a huge, huge process. And I try not to overthink it and I try not to over plan it. Um, But there's a lot of doubt. I mean, doubt runs through a lot of different things, but I try to keep it in that bag. And, you know, practicing positive self-talk. I've talked about that before because the reality is when you're trying to get into something or do something that is out of your wheelhouse, it's completely new to you. It's completely a dream of yours. Oh my goodness. When you're talking about a dream, that's a whole nother thing. A dream is something that is poof, doesn't even really exist. It's something you're sitting down thinking about. So how can you then match that with a reality? I think starting at a dream is such a great place because to me, it helps you recognize your destiny in a way that you probably wouldn't if you weren't dreaming, if that makes any sense. So for instance, myself, of course, I'm going to use myself because that's the most insight I have about anything in this world. Um, I dreamed of an iteration of this. So a version of this where I'm able to create an impact to people in ways that I couldn't just do like by myself. So I love one-on-ones. I love talking to people one-on-one, learning about their backgrounds, encouraging, motivating, 
you know, finding these little intricacies and these little things about themselves that they, you know, either negatively self-talk or, you know, have a version of the story that they told themselves time and time again, and they start to believe it. Um, anything that I can do to kind of find and pull these little pieces of their lives that they've, you know, led to believe to be true and flipping it into something that is encouraging and motivating and, you know, resilient and amazing and phenomenal because there's not that many places that you can find that energy. And, you know, going back to just me growing up, I didn't find that energy growing up. I wasn't a part of a, a woman's group or had an, a, a family atmosphere that was full about supporting and getting things done and, you know, finding ways to help one another. That just wasn't my, I didn't have access to that growing up. Um, not to say that, you know, it was completely like bloodshed because we were all tearing each other down, but it was definitely not a place where you could say, you know, if someone needed a hug or a pick me up, you weren't coming to our house, you know, because there was a part of it where they were like, you know, it's going to be okay, but it wasn't enough to just set you off running. So, you know, with that being said, I think over time I started to yearn, 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 yearn to be able to get these different pieces of my life that I needed. And I talk about this a lot when I talk about my dream team, those individuals came into my life at different places at different times. And I've kind of kept them with me because they're a huge part of who I am, whether it be growing up in school, friends of my sisters, um, teachers, people that I knew throughout different phases of my life, you know, when it comes to professionalism and just trying to make a career for myself, different things that I was trying to learn, tasks, initiatives that I was trying to be a part of, you know, these are different individuals who really, really lifted me. They built me, you know, in a way that I'm forever and eternally grateful. And I find that there's so many different, like, you know, what I call guardian angels that show up also in my life that help me you know, go where I need to be. But self-doubt is, is a big, big, um, problem because it, it really does put a lot of people who are supposed to be in a different place in life. They really are. They really are in a place that they're not happy with in a place that they are just surprised themselves. They're even there. And again, going back to the freedom, going back to the idea that if you truly start to believe the dream, you'll recognize that the decisions that you start to make because the dream is what matters the most, it, it, it seems you get a little bit closer. It seems that you start to make waves into that dream, make waves into that, that, that iteration of yourself that is seen so far, seems so much older, so much wiser, so much, you know, has a better thought process than you at this present moment. Um, but you have to surround yourself with that. You have to believe in it. You have to see it. You have to feel it. You have to touch it in order to get there. And as, as time goes on, you have to check in with yourself and say, okay, is this a part of the dream or is this just a part of just living and not, you know, breathing and not being present. And once you start to recognize that, okay, that dream is that goal is that the achievement that I'm looking for. And of course these things are not you know, you're not doing these things for accolades or acknowledgement or to have that plaque. It's really for yourself. That dream is for yourself. You don't have dreams 
or you shouldn't at least have dreams that are for other people to realize. It's a dream for you to realize. It's a dream for you to see yourself in that place. You are the star of the show. You are the complete um, package when it comes to this dream. It's all about you. And again, how that dream shows up in your life is different. So my dream of creating an impact and being in a part of people's lives, you know, was an attempt at YouTube, was an attempt at um, a dance group, was an attempt at a daily show at, in, you know, fourth grade. There were different ways that I touched upon this dream, but the reality is even in those dreams, I still had self-doubt. Even in those, you know, different ways that I tried to make myself known, I still had self-doubt. It doesn't necessarily go away, in my opinion. It just isn't as loud. It just isn't as permanent or important as I once was before. But again, it's a process. Again, it's a trial and error. Again, it doesn't look exactly how I would have envisioned it to look, um, simply because... I'm not in control <laughs> as much as I want to be. God is in control and he's going to check me every single time. I really try to run amok and, you know, take the wheel and do what I think is best for me, but I am in control of my actions. So if I attempt something, if I go into something, if I dream of something, I'm in control of putting the effort, you know, using the resources taking the steps towards that dream and making it a reality and recognizing that at the end of the day, he's going to give me something greater than I could have imagined because all I have is just the, the minute, you know, um, angle on this world that I've been, I've had access to. I don't know how people in Europe are living. I don't know how people in Asia and, and Malaysia and all those different, you know, places are living. So he knows everything. So my little slither of what I know, he's like, ha yeah, okay, that's cute. But you know what? I'm going to get you along, but I'm going to get you to a place where you could, you could never see. But I know when you get there, because you've, you've taken the steps to get there, you're going to be happy. You're going to be content. You're going to be proud. You're going to be just completely enamored with the idea that you are here because you had a dream, because you had a a thought in your mind that was greater than yourself and the doubt that existed and the doubt that is there, regardless of whether you can hear it, see it, touch it, feel it. It didn't matter. It didn't stop you. It didn't, you know, move you. It only pushed you to the other direction of that dream. You cannot let these thoughts or these beliefs, you know, knock your faith. And as cliche as that sounds, it's really more, more on the, the point that these dreams, these, you know, ideas that you can be in a better place in life and a better situation in life is doable. It is, it is doable. You just have to do it. It's not going to be overnight. And that's why I want to make that very clear because time, time is something we obviously never have any control over. We know this, right? But the things that we do have control over are making the steps in that direction. And that's going to take time. So time is actually a piece, a tool of it all. I mean, there's so many things in between, like for instance, testing. So validating whether or not you really want this dream. Now a dream essentially, you know, shouldn't just be 
something that seems so far, seems so wild, seems so crazy. It really should be something that you can design to be aligned with, you know, where you want to be given time to be included. Nothing's going to happen overnight. It doesn't work like that. We all know it doesn't work like that. But the reality is if we start with something, we're going to go somewhere. Just make sure where you end up going is where you want to be. And that's why it's so important to understand our dreams and recognize the value it is that is, you know, our dreams. I am always dreaming. I am always, you know, thinking of my next way to impact, you know, people that I can't see, I can't touch. You know, there, there's, a, there's a saying like, if I could touch one person, I'll be happy. I don't want to touch one person. I want to touch more, more than one person. I want one person to touch, to be touched, who can touch another person, who can touch another person. I want to create a ripple effect. I want my, my existence here to be important. I want myself, I want to be heard. I may, maybe not seen, but I want to be heard. Um, because I feel like what I've gathered, what I've paid attention to, what I've really devoted my time and energy on is something that people ignore. People don't always take the time. People don't always believe that it's worth it. And I notice that people are attracted to me or the people who get it, get it. And it makes a difference. And they start to believe and they start to want more and do more. And that that makes me so full because it's a life of service, whether I recognize it or not. It's really serving the people around me or the people that I have access to through whatever medium it may be to create an impact in a way that is necessary for them at that given moment, at that given time. And that to me is so beautiful. Like that to me, I can't put a price tag on that, but I know it's fulfilling and I know it's a dream that is molding itself into being, you know, a lifelong destiny essentially. And now that I've been able to have privy to this, it feels so much like a blessing. And doubt doesn't exist in anything that I've said when it, in regards to that. And that's the part that I want you to see and I want you to understand that doubt needs to lessen so you can hear all the blessings that exist for you. Once you hold on to doubt and you believe doubt and you sit with doubt and you you know, fantasize about it and you give it life, that's exactly what it does. It blossoms, it grows, it becomes weeds in that garden. And that is not a garden, honey. That is a overgrown, you know, useless piece of land. But underneath it all, it has the soil, it has the, the water, it has the environment necessary. So feeding into the seeds, feeding into the things that are going to, you know, fulfill you, give back to you is really what matters at the end of the day. And I'm hoping that everyone listening can really recognize that and tap into that and start to, you know, allow your motivational opportunities to rise you and lift you up into a place where you want to be. And gathering that is from different sources, from different things along the way. There are going to be naysayers. There's going to be things that are going to seem like a brick wall, but it's just a direction. It's just a direction. That's not, you found out, okay, roundabout, 
got to go find somewhere else. Got to go look, look at something differently. Think of something differently, you know, of how to get to the place that I want to get to that obstacle that I'm dealing with. It's not problems. It's challenges. Challenges are everywhere, everywhere on purpose. There are certain challenges we're going to be able to overcome. And some of them we're not, we're going to learn from. So, you know, taking that, that nugget and putting that piece to the side helps you design a whole different life. One that doesn't exact, exactly include as much of an ingredient of fear or, you know, doubt as we allow it to. And the key word in that is allow it because we have to take responsibility and accountability for the things that we allow ourselves to deal with or participate in, really. So I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. I, I sincerely, sincerely enjoyed recording it. I felt like it was definitely necessary and it definitely flowed. And um, I really do look forward to hearing you guys in my next episode. Thank you guys again for listening.